Welcome to the Sajcast. I'm Mark Austin. And I'm Stacey Roberts. And we, we are, are the Sons, Sons of Joy. Joy. You're listening to Sajcast number 19. Our 19th ever Sajcast. That's unexpected. Yes. And it turns out that this week's Sajcast is sponsored by The Unexpected. Makers of The Election of Franklin Pierce. An alien invasion. And getting someone else's bag at the drive-thru. Uh, so that actually happened to me recently. I got someone else's bag at the drive-thru. I don't mean the 70 cents, man, I get your bag. Because <laughs> I bet that happened a lot in the 70s. Yeah, man, I get your bag, I get it. 80% of our audience has no idea what you're talking about. But go on, by all means. <laughs> Obscure references are, are our trademark. Is that a shot about the election of Franklin Pierce? Is that what we're talking about now? <laughs> I'm trying to educate okay. and lift people's uh, intellect. Upward. Well, no, it happened to us, that, right? Didn't it? I don't think so. I thought, wait, I, well, I thought it was with you. Well, we went to get, oh, I'm sorry, it was with Suzanne. Yes, we're so alike, it's hard to tell. It is. It is hard to tell. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't get out to fast food very often, so I assume it must be your bed. <laughs> so to, uh, but to, to, to bring order from chaos then, the real question is, what did you order and what did you get? Yes. And so, how did that make you feel? So the uh, the order was this was a a couple weeks ago they were doing their buy buy one get one for a penny Big Mac and a quarter pounder of cheese but um yeah so we ordered um we uh, a, a Big Mac and uh, a penny Big Mac and some french fries and what we got was someone else's order which was very very similar but had like two more sandwiches and so we ducked, we ducked behind a building and we ate extra quarter pounders of cheese and Big Macs. And when you say we, don't you really mean you? Well, no, she, well, she did get to try a quarter pounder of cheese as my recollection. Okay. Well, that's what matters. So yeah, it's getting someone else's, well, and that's the unexpected part of the bag at the drive-thru is, is it better than what you ordered? Is it more, you know, is it more? Yeah. Did you, did yeah. you pay? I mean, is that all that it's worth is I, I, yeah, I paid for $7 worth of, Fast food, but I got nine dollars for the fast food. But is it the nine that I wanted? It's like six salads. What is this? Isn't what I wanted? That's what I. Yeah. There's forty apple pies. In here. <laughs> I'm gonna open an apple pie store. And that, that would send me back to see what sort of person ordered forty apple pies. I'm going back there to see oh, what. Come on, it's like. a band full of cheerleaders. You know who orders forty apple pies. <laughs> Uh, people who just graduated from clown college. I'm not saying I wouldn't go back to look at a handful of cheerleaders. Uh, I know why I have to remind you, however far we into this podcast right now, that Suzanne does listen to this. And so far what we've got is you mistaking her for me, one. <laughs> Two, you you describing with delight how you got double your your McDonald's order and she held her own when it came to the consuming of it, and that you would double back through a two-lane drive-thru to make sure that you got to look at the cheerleaders who ordered 40 apple pies. As long as we're clear. It's important to be clear. This is for broadcast. You have to stay, state all that for the record. Yeah, as if someone was recording this. <laughs> so, today, uh, we, we have a, we'll have a bit of a first, don't we? We have our first in Studio Z interview. Yes. With our hero, Whackburger Guy. So we're going to, I think we're going to position that interview as the food porn of the day. Yes, I mean, because when you're talking about a, a, a guy who is a master at his chosen craft, and the result of which is to make hamburgers for us, he gets all of food porn. 
Yes. Well, and and it would be it would be disingenuous to suggest that Studio Z doesn't currently smell like whack burgers. There is whack burger greasiness drifting about the air in a delightful manner. Well, and as as we told whack burger guy, and you will learn his name if you listen to the entire podcast. But um, so. spoiler alert: it's Mike. Uh, anyway, so a lot has happened since our Sodgecast turned eighteen. That's right. Our Sodgecast eighteen was back in December. And um, you went to Florida for uh, several weeks, and I remained here and did shopping. Christmas occurred, and New Year's occurred, and my birthday occurred. And my mother's, actually, when it comes down to it. That was a lot of stuff. Well, and i got to say that your mother's birthday doesn't really have the same weight uh, as those other things. But, you know, to you, perhaps. Well, I say all (laughs) the cool people were born in January, right? There you go. Me, your mother, Elvis, Richard Nixon, wait. Okay. Strike Nixon. But go on. Yeah, so I was, uh, I guess this was my first gallivanting, if you want to call that, in quite some time. Yes, and this is, uh, this is not really gallivanting. This was you going off to perform arduous Herculean tasks. Yes. And Suzanne met you down in Florida, and so what the, the, the folks at home were all on tenterhooks about was that your girlfriend and your ex-wife were going to meet in person. The proton and the anti-proton. Coming in the together. sunshine state. And so our sponsor wants to know what happened. The unexpected did occur. Yeah, so uh, well, yeah, I was down there um, basically cleaning up a house. And Suzanne was kind enough to come down there and help me clean the house. And that's really what, what filled most of the time that we were down there um, in a not very fun sort of way. Although I did promise her many delightful uh, dishes, which I, I fulfilled. And we'll, we'll save that since we have a food porn section now. We'll save that for another food porn section, but there was a lot of very interesting South Floridian food to be at, and it was at by us. But, uh, but yeah, you're right. My, my ex-wife lives in Florida. Well, let me interrupt you there because Suzanne was so delighted by the food offerings in South Florida that there was a barrage of Facebook postings on it. That's true. So I, you'll be pleased to know, refrained from posting on there. You're clearly not working hard enough on cleaning <laughs> the house. If you're spending all your time in Cuban restaurants and eating Jamaican food. Well, yeah, we will, we will let on, cause, uh, I'm not a coffee drinker and you're not a coffee drinker, so we won't even categorize this as food porn. But apparently, Cafe Cubano, which is the Cuban style coffee, little espressos that they drink out of the little tiny cups, is very, very good if you're a coffee drinker. And she became addicted, um, instantly. <laughs> That's how long it takes with a very tiny cup of coffee. Yeah, so we were, we were at a place called La Careta, which is, um, you probably know where it is. It's it's off of uh, University and Pines Boulevard, and they they have a coffee counter open in the morning, a traditional Cuban coffee counter. So there's the sliding glass door, and then there's a little bit of ledge and lots of you know people with little tiny coffee cups drinking their coffee back. Yeah, there was a I, I could probably dig up a picture of a cafe cubano, and there's also a cafe con leche, which she uh, Suzanne enjoyed mixing the two. So she I don't know what that's called at that point, but she would throw her cafe cubano in her cafe con leche. And, uh, made a, well, she was, she was pretty awake, let's just say, for, for a good long while. I would say that she needed to be for all the, yes, hard work going on. And, and I, I gotta say that whole last section was a pretty nice nod to our listeners who drink coffee and cannot possibly comprehend why we don't. And so I think you accommodated. It's nice. We, we try. We have our own addictions, clearly, as the opener indicates. <laughs> yes. In some sort of canned form. So, what we really want to know, the ex-wife and the girlfriend, 
Suzanne and I have been dating for, you know, a while now. And since my ex lives in Florida, there hasn't been a lot of opportunity for them to come together, short of me forcing it. Um, and it seemed like an odd... I do that. Yeah, it seems like an odd thing to force. Yeah, I would would not recommend it. But, uh, but, you know, we've been together long enough that it seemed like... um, you know, early on, it was like, boy, I don't think I want to meet your ex because it's, it's awkward. You know, like, why would we want to do that? But after a while, you know, that, that settles down and it was like, yeah, I think, I think we're okay with it. And, and both the ex and Suzanne were like, yeah, I think we're okay with it. So we said, well, there's a good opportunity to do this. We're all down there. So it was, um, a couple days into her trip because my ex-wife was working, um, on a, uh, a criminal case. Actually, it's a federal case, as it turns out. She works for attorneys who represent, quote-unquote, terrorists. And so there's a terrorist trial going on in Miami right now, which if you look up, you will find it in the media. One of the uh, one person's already been acquitted. And uh, the charges are that they were supporting terrorists by sending money to an imam back home. And, you know, it's, it's one of those kind of deals. But it's, yeah, it's, it's funny that we have one friend who works arresting terrorists, and then <laughs> my ex-wife is busy defending them. So there you go. Because we seek balance in all We do. It's, it's, you know, it's also somewhat unexpected. And so my understanding is that the planning of this meeting was as meticulous as, well, say a blind date where you don't know if the person you're meeting is a serial killer. So you're looking for public places, at least, lots of, lots of witnesses. Yeah. At least that much planning. Maybe even a little more. So what, what ended up happening was we went to what's probably my favorite Mexican restaurant in the world, which is Ole Ole. And I think we've even spoken about Ole Ole maybe once or twice down the road, but they have just the best guacamole imaginable. Not to get into the food porn, but we figured if we're going to meet, let's go someplace where there's good food. So we have at least that. <laughs> and See, uh, now here's both the children thing. were there. Well, but again, anytime you bring up Mexican food, oh, I, know. I have a sense that, you know what will fix everything? Good Mexican food. That is my philosophy. If every, if the only tool you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And in this case, the nail is covered in guacamole. I say every, yeah. The only tool I have is a taco. <laughs> All right then. So Mexican food, unexpectedly, was featured. Well, yeah. Well, I don't, I don't. I expected it. But I, I sort of insisted you, on it. <laughs> you orchestrated it. Our sponsor is quite hopping mad at this point, but go on. <laughs> but this was, uh, I guess it, it bears some repeating, but maybe not, that um, this was a Friday. A Mexican Friday, if you will. Coincidences about. I know. And so, the, the yeah, the planning was that we were going to, um, there, was, there was a little bit of um, going back and forth, because the children were advisors to me in this, as both, both my daughter and my son were there. For this momentous occasion, they were, there were some, there was some concern about how many vehicles to take, you know, so that when people went home, who was going home with whom and, and just to, to keep everything quite balanced and, and reasonable. And, um, the, uh, the unexpected part was that our high school English teacher, who we don't get to see very often, was only available on this night. And so we said, come on down and see the fireworks. So our high school English teacher, who we think of as Mrs. Anderson, but prefers to be called Maggie at this point because she, uh, well, she's divorced and <laughs> no longer married to Mr. Anderson. No longer a Mrs., no longer an Anderson, and so since we did learn things in 10th grade English, we say no damn cat, no damn girl. <laughs> yeah, much like my daughter, they're both named Margaret. Um, so we had two Margarets um, and Orrin there, 
And we got there ahead of Deanie. Anyway, both kids, Mrs. Anderson, myself, and Suzanne, get to the restaurant at the appointed time. And Deanie's running late, which is not unexpected, <laughs> given the time that we've known her. But, you know, she, the, the trial or whatever was running late. So this gave us more time because we, we really hadn't counted on being there first. We kind of, we imagined, all right, we're all going to go to our seat together. And we obviously have a big booth at that point because there's a lot of, a lot of people. But we didn't, we weren't sure if we were to be seated before she arrived, how would we arrange ourselves in her absence? And so, you know, much like a, an Emily Post, you know, we, we needed to go and consult the etiquette guides to figure out who must be sitting where and, in, you know, in what, what order to make sure that everyone's needs are accommodated. And obviously at this point, you know, Suzanne's a little nervous because now we're just standing around kind of killing time, waiting for one for our table because it was kind of busy and two for, for the ex-wife to show up. But anyway, to make a longish story a bit shorter, well, she finally arrives and um, there's an exchanging of gifts, which is good because we had some, some Christmas type gifts to deliver and this all happened right after Christmas. So it was still a Yuletide time. And there was, there was a lot of happiness and cheerfulness and everyone sat down and got along swimmingly, as they say. So, you know, our concern was this might not go so well or there might be some tension or, or whatever. But as it turned out, that was a ill-placed concern because not only did they have dinner Friday, they had dinner Saturday and Sunday and Monday and for five nights, the two of them had dinner, not alone, of course, but I mean, the, the whole collective family, as it were, had dinner for yeah, five there nights was, in a row a, on purpose. There was a brief span where the food, the, the constant barrage of food postings on Facebook were interspersed with your ex-wife sending a post out that said, is it weird that I like my ex-husband's girlfriend more than I like him? Which we didn't think was weird at all. <laughs> well, I think the whole Facebook community kind of waited on that and said, well, I know. <laughs> what makes you think that? Yes. So that was the... I was quite relieved to see that because it meant that things were going well and yes. no one had to die. And I actually snuck a picture of we were, one night we were at a Greek restaurant and I snuck a picture of my ex-wife, Suzanne, my daughter and my, uh, my son's girlfriend all standing in a row clapping and laughing because mm. the, uh, this was the point in the, you know, in many Greek restaurants they'll bring out the dancing. And so the, the dancing men, you know, in the Greek dancing style. And so all the girls were up there clapping and laughing and I got a picture of it. <laughs> See, but I think which I won't share. With but is that? A, I mean, is that a kind of a, a future defense thing in case things go badly? You can say, "Wait, <laughs> ladies, before you kill me, let's think back to a time when you were all were happy. Look at the picture. Let me live." So anyway, the the happy unexpected thing was that they they seemed to get along quite well and and uh, and like each other and yeah for the for the time that they were there they uh, they seemed to enjoy each other's company and it was it was a great relief that everyone seemed to get along so. So the unexpected worked out well in that situation. That's good. Well, the next unexpected thing kind of happened on the way home. We left Florida to come back to Kentucky and decided that if we could uh, work it so that we had a, like a day to spare, we're going to stop in Orlando and visit the mouse house. My daughter was going back to college in Pensacola, so she had to pass by Orlando. And my son goes to school in Fort Myers, which doesn't really help, but... He, as it turned out, was in a fishing tournament in Orlando that day. <laughs> Unexpectedly. Unexpectedly. So while he wasn't able to join us at Disney World, he um, he was in town. 
And so we actually uh, managed to have one final final meal with uh, both kids, Suzanne and I did, um, in Orlando, which was very unexpected. But the day that we spent at Disney, um, it was cold and rainy, which isn't really what you expect in Florida in early January. And uh, I'll just share one little funny anecdote. Uh, so we walk, you know, into the park, and we got there fairly early because, well, being a Floridian, we've been to the park many times, and we know how this works. So you get in early, you try and hit all the high-value targets while the lines are relatively low, and then you do your dickering about, um, you know, once the crowd starts showing up, you you hit the shops and whatever where it doesn't really matter anymore. But we got there, and we didn't have raincoats because... It was one of those days where we trusted our phones, and our phones told us, ah, it was like a 30% chance of rain. Well, we caught the 30% pretty well. As we got off the little monorails, it was it was coming down hard. And so we had our tickets, and if you haven't been to Disney World lately, um, it'll run you about 100 bucks to get in. There's 90, 90-something per person for a single day. In their defense, if you go for many days, the price per day goes quite a bit down, but since we're only there the day, that's what we're stuck with. So we uh, we get into the park, and it's raining, and we're going down Main Street there towards the castle, and we duck into a shop figuring we're just going to have to grab a poncho, or three. The little cashier's desk there has a heaping pile of ponchos, and the cashier was busy talking to someone, and there was just a giant pile of ponchos, and I took one, and I looked at it, and I couldn't find a price tag, and I took another, and I couldn't find a price tag, I couldn't find a barcode, I couldn't find any labels of any sort, just Disney ponchos, and I said, well... I just paid a hundred dollars. It's probably Disney and their generosity is just going to let us not get wet for the hundred bucks we just gave them. So the three of us grabbed ponchos and we're heading out the door and we had a very un-Disney moment <laughs> when the cashier started yelling at us in a very angry, angry tone that we were about to steal some ponchos. That was not the happiest place on earth at that very moment. <laughs> but you know, 27 bucks later, we had our ponchos and we, uh, we had a, we had a good day at the park after that. So. It was nice. The uh, the rain kept the crowds down a little more than they would have otherwise been, and, and it was already, you know, what, the full week, or almost two weeks after Christmas, so most of the kids were getting ready to go back to school. So we did pretty well in terms of not being overcome by people. Towards the end of the day, it got a little busier, but we uh, we had some good times there. So my expectation that Disney would be nice and give us a raincoat was unexpectedly foiled. Yes. Well, and, and while all this was going on, since this was Christmas... Um, you had left early, pre-Christmas. And so uh, we resolved that we would do our gift exchange when you got back. And so it gave us more time to be utterly confounded <laughs> by the fact that you people are really hard to shop for. Really. People people who are tempted to buy things for themselves just make it hard for everyone else. Well, and this is, see, this is a problem. This is the excuse I make to others. Well, when I want something, I buy it. I don't have to wait for an occasion. If I feel like getting something, I get it. So when my birthday rolls around, it's like, well, how about a nice card? And so uh, since I use that as, as an excuse and I want to get away with it, it absolutely infuriates me when you do it because, I mean, that's unacceptable. <laughs> it's uh, unexpected. Yes. So we cast about looking for what to get for you, and we were at the mall, and uh, we spent a lot of quality time at malls. We went into the Tivana shop. Tivana? Yeah, yeah Tivana. Right. Because aside from my addiction to, you know, canned green sodas, I do enjoy tea. Which I, I noticed. I don't drink coffee, but I do enjoy tea. I noticed that when we were interviewing Charity Parkerson, you had actually made tea, and I was like, well, that's weird. But then when I saw the Tivana shop, at the end of my rope as to what to get you, <laughs> because it was going to be a gift certificate to wherever the hell, went into t- to Tivana, and, I mean, they have a real system of selling tea items to people 
Yes. And there's a whole culture around it. I mean, they, they have you sniff the teas and they have you, uh, argue the merits of ceramic versus, versus, uh, cast iron. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, you know, th- this guy came up and he was talking to us and, and by the time he was done, what we were looking for would have cost $600 <laughs> with tea and, and the things that go with tea and the, the German rock sugar that's supposed to go in the little basket. And we were like, yeah, no, but, Everywhere I went to stand at Tivana, they kept moving me somewhere else. Sir, you can't stand there. Really? Is there an etiquette in the tea shop I'm not aware of? Okay, fine. So I'll move over here. And then they were like, well, if you're in line just to pay for something, then you you can't be in this line. You have to be in this line. So I went to the other line. And then somebody kept to me and he said, sir. And I was like, one second, <laughs> bro. If you tell me to move to a different line, I'm just going to leave the store. So, uh, so anyway, we got the tea. And then... I was so enamored with the tea that Laura went and got me my own teapot and tea accessories because I am hard to shop for, as I may have mentioned. Well, I don't, I don't think that's a... That must be a Christmas thing because normally, well, normally teapot is not all that crowded, so... Yeah, <laughs> I think that I think they just have the one checkout counter most of the time. It, it, it seems to speak to an absence of policy when the store gets crowded because we're all just cool people hanging around talking about tea. But when there's a press of folks, we need lines. We need order. Well, I can, I can imagine how, I mean, I know what the, the malls look like in Florida, and I can imagine they were similarly it was a nightmare. swamped. It was a nightmare. Good news for the economy, apparently. Well, and I let you know, there's nothing more fun than a crowded mall because you know the economy's doing well. People can afford to be there, and so it's a good thing. And so then the next problem was what to buy for Suzanne. And as it turned out, we asked the wrong person, which was you. Because everything that you said sounded like a gift for you. <laughs> much like, <laughs> much, much like, well, if we're going to have a meeting of tension, we probably should do it in a Mexican restaurant. If, a gift certificate to a Mexican restaurant. If I'm going to, uh, if I'm going to do anything that is either easy, hard, fun, or miserable, we probably should have it in a Mexican restaurant. And so I said, well, what do you think we should get for Suzanne? And she said, well, you, you know, she'd probably really like a gift certificate to a Mexican restaurant or movie tickets, which is the other thing that you do a lot of. Yeah. And so, um, Laura and I put our heads together on that and said, well, those don't sound like gifts for Suzanne. So, <laughs> but in my defense, she, she is more of a movie buff than any of us. And she does enjoy going to the movies more than us. So the Mexican restaurant, well, that might have benefited me somehow. <laughs> but, but the, uh, no, the movies I thought was, well, a, she was go a, to the movies by herself. No, she does not. Well, so. she, no, she's, I think she's been known to. All right, well, there's always next year, and she's well, got a birthday coming up, so I think we're, <laughs> I think there's still room for movement on that front, but, um, in the end, I think we did just give up and, what did we get her? Anyway? You got her a package of a massage place, which I also oh, that's suggested. Right. That was another suggestion. And that was the only thing that you had suggested that was very clearly not for you, and so, we went and did it. Unless I steal the gift card and go by myself. Ha! Well, stay tuned to future podcasts, <laughs> and we'll see how that turns out. See how my shoulder feels after that. And so, um, Apparently, your revenge was the gift you got us. <laughs> yeah, so we we had been uh, likewise to a similar mall where there is a Brookstone. And in talking to you about it after the fact, uh, you had been in, in a Brookstone as well, yes. looking at, well, many of the same items. So, uh, being but because, because I'd already been to T-Vanna, there was no money left in the treasury. Oh, yes. No. So you can't go to Brookstone and have no money. You just have to leave. <laughs> yeah, well, you can get the you can sit in their chair and, and get their little massage things. And so... Being, you know, fans of the massage, as, well, I think most animals are. <laughs> we, uh, yeah, we, we went and we sat in some of the massage chairs and, and not, not the, not the full on chairs, but these, uh, like foot massagers. So you sit in a regular chair and you stick your feet into this little machine. Well, from the knees down, right? From the knees down, yeah. Well, they have, they have varying ones. Ankle, ankle up, but 
We were looking at the ones that were up to the knee. I thought they were just Jim Dandy because they, you know, they did all kinds of kneading and squishing and, and, you know, jawing about with your muscles in a way that I found quite satisfying. And Suzanne got in it and, um, she had a little bit of pain, but then, uh, the attendant made some adjustments and then she was quite into it as well. So I said, well, this will be a good gift because, you know, it was, it wasn't a cheap gift either, but, I figured you'd watch the dogs, and apparently the dog had sprayed you with her stink land a few times while we were gone. Oh, I forgot about that. Ah, uh, bitter memories. <laughs> Unexpectedly, I don't think I don't think anyone's ever been expectedly sprayed by her skunk gland because she's not a skunk, right? But she does like to express her her uh, rear end gland on on occasions when she's startled, or I don't know, maybe for other reasons. But well, anyway. and more importantly, I I was in favor of this gift because Laura has a problem. With her foot, which has a long and complicated name, and so she always has foot pain. And so well, and she's also a nurse who's on her feet all day. Well, that's probably why. So, so yes, so the massage sounded like a really good idea. Yeah, so we um, we actually gathered for your birthday. That's right, another gift giving occasion. Yeah, so we figured we'd get all of our gift giving done in the uh, in the same fell swoop, and we uh, had the massager in in the back of our car, and we hauled it into the house and set it up and. Who was the first one to go in? Laura, right? Laura, yeah. We were gentlemanly and said ladies yes. first. And plus, knowing she has foot problems, I thought, let's see if this thing is really going to be as whiz-bang and as this I is, thought. I mean, this was the size of, you know, a small, you know, electric motor. It was yes. four feet by two feet. You know, it's a pretty big device. Right. And you kind of have to get in it. You know, you have to put your your leg yes. in it. Uh, like beyond, a pair of boots almost. Yeah, up beyond the knees. And so uh, then we turned on the blood clot machine. And there was quite a lot of, well, this doesn't feel right. Well, there was, there was a happy face, followed yes. by a concerned face, followed by a confused face, followed by anguish. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so then we thought, you know, we did the adjustments. And well, we there was, turn it off, turn it off. Yeah, there was that. There was the, you know, yeah. Um, and then Suzanne tried it and it had, had the same effect. The exact same effect. Exact same effect. And then I got in it and it was a little tense because it, what it does is it gets really tight around mid calf. Yeah, so the the pain they were experiencing was up around their their calf, yeah, yeah. Or, or the sides of their their legs. It wasn't in the foot. And um, when we went and explained this to the people at Brookstone, they were like, "Well, this, it needs a break-in period of you know a couple hours of running." I'm like, "Well, these we, people well, we, couldn't we, sit in it for two minutes, right?" I mean, we what do we call that? We call that the thrombotic. I mean, is that how long you break it in? We'll switch this out for an Iron Maiden because it's more comfortable. Yes. So yeah, or maybe uh, a Spinal Tap. <laughs> Yeah, apparently we weren't the first person to encounter this because they they seem to have a pretty canned answer about how to fix it. But yeah, so the the device that we got that we thought would uh, improve your your, your feet instead tried to eat you like uh, a bear trap. (laughs) Yes, that's exactly what you should call it that. In fact, I think we modified and we boxed it back up. Uh, we you changed, did. we changed the name of it to the chewing, <laughs> leg chewing massager. Yeah. yeah, the leg chewer. Yeah. So, uh, that was unexpected. But, uh, anyway, you'll, you'll turn it in and, and get something better, no doubt. Or, yes. or already have, for all I know. I have not yet, but, uh, you know, because it involves going back to the mall. And yes. That's well, they have an online catalog. You can pick things out. Yes, I think I'll probably do that. So, uh, okay. And so, I guess the next thing we have to talk about is, is it food porn or is it our upcoming big news? Um, well, let's start with our upcoming big news because I think we're going to end. We're going to go out on food porn we'll as, on as food we porn. tend to. Yeah. So uh, our upcoming big news, which was unexpected, is that we have been invited to be interviewed on another podcast, the Tweet Nation. The Tweet Nation, which is a podcast by two vulgar, 
Amber Norgard and Dion Lister. And um, I've been listening to their episodes. And uh, just to, to kind of get in the in the yes. mood. and oh, yeah. to, Don't think we haven't noticed how they run their operation. Yes. <laughs> and uh, and to practice all the swear words that I forgot when I was a teenager. Because I, apparently I'm going to need them. Yes, they're, they're, their vulgarity is legendary. Because we, for the most part, have had a... Um, what was the, uh, what's the, uh, non-explicit? We've had a non-explicit podcast. That's what Apple likes to call it. Yes. They dove headfirst into explicit from their first podcast. Um, but they talk to writers about writing. They're very big on writing and social media. In following them, I have learned quite a lot about how all that works. I'm hoping that we'll be able to contribute something because they seem to know a lot more than we do. Um, and I think we may just have to fall back on our old standby of being delightful. There is always that. So we, the interview is February 1. Hopefully the podcast will be coming out shortly thereafter, and we will announce it to all our loyal fans, and you can uh, see how we do when we're not in our own studio. Getting back to our podcast, our Sajcast for the week, we, uh, we're at the cusp of breaking uh, uh, you know, ground, new ground, with our first ever in-studio Z interview with our friend and hero, Whack Burger Guy. Cue the theme. We are here today with Mike Harwood, the owner and inventor of Whack Burger. Yes. Um, which we referenced in one of our earlier Sajcasts, and as is my way, I will not tell you which one, because you have to go back and listen to them all. But I think it was number three. We still, well, it was more than one. It was more than one. Um, also, you're our first ever live guest in our studio. And cool. so hopefully one day that will turn into a thing where we can have people actually want to come down here and see how the magic is made. Or maybe not. <laughs> it's hard to say. So uh, let's get into our questions. And this and your section, you know, we have a food porn section of our Sajcast. Your entire interview is, we're just going to call that food porn. Okay. So, uh, just so you know. Just to get you going, how did you get started in, in restaurants? Um, money. When I was about 15, I started washing dishes yeah. so I could save up to get a car. Moved down to Cincinnati to go to college. Just worked my way up into management positions. Uh, just recently, I opened up the last couple of Holy Grails. I don't know if you're familiar with that place, mm-hmm. the one downtown. Mm-hmm. So I got that experience of opening that place up uh, as far as the back of the house from scratch and was confident enough that I could do it myself. Yeah. And just something I've always loved doing. So what, cooking. Were, so what was the, the inspiration for Whack Burger? I mean, when you go to open your own restaurant, I imagine that you have to spend some time thinking about well, what kind of, what kind of place is it going to be? And so is Whack Burger the way it is now? Was that always the vision or did you tweak it as you, did you start in one place and end up at Whack Burger? I knew I wanted to do something with fresh ingredients and uh, I wanted to keep a menu that was somewhat simple. The inspiration was a, you know, kind of a twist on the American classic. You can't go wrong with hamburgers. Um, I tried to combine a lot of things that I've learned in the business as far as recipes and stuff like that. And I'm sure you guys are familiar with the menu and do a lot of different combinations and just unique ingredients. Yeah. And I think, I think there's a good point to talk about the menu for those of, for those of our listeners who have never been there. You, it's a fixed menu, and you've got the option of a beef burger, mm-hmm. turkey burger, or black bean. Yep. And just to kind of give an idea of what's going on here, uh, there's an egg and green chili, 
burger. There is a fried green tomato burger. There is a brie and apple burger. And that was the one that just caught my eye. What made you think of that? I used to work at a place downtown, a reception place, and we did uh, a brie and apple phyllo cup as an appetizer. I was always a huge fan of it. Yeah. So, so that's I mean, kind of how that came came about. So this is kind of a cook what you like kind of thing. Sort right? of, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's right. a, one of the worst questions people can ask me when they order is, "What's your favorite?" Because I obviously <laughs> enjoy well, all of them. <laughs> and, you, and you have to resist the temptation to get snippy and say, "Dude, I wrote the menu." Right. What do you think? Right. I just tell them go with the whack burger. <laughs> well, to start, I mean, to yeah. ease your way in, mm-hmm. because much like addictive drugs, that's just the gateway, right? Right. Uh-huh. That just gets you started. Yep. Um, and then let's talk about the sides a little bit, because one of the things that we found most interesting about the sides, and probably, I mean, the first few times we were there, we didn't even get fries because of the broccoli slaw, because yeah. it was so good. How'd you come up with that? What was your idea? Broccoli slaw? Um, you know, my girlfriend, I've dated her for about four years, and her mom made it. When I first uh, started dating her, so that's something I kind of took and put my own little twist on it. We obviously make the dressing, you know, f- yeah. from scratch and everything. I was a big fan of it and decided. You and know, it goes, it goes surprisingly well with the burger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it which, does. You know, it's just another one of those things. I mean, it seems like the menu is a, is a a bunch of combinations that when you read it, you go, well, "That doesn't really right. That doesn't really make sense." What the egg and the green chili? You know, you're like. On a burger, really? But then you eat it and you go, oh, this made sense. How, do, how come it took so long in human history to come up with this thing? You <laughs> know? The brie and apple, for example, is one of the ones that if I would have had to guess when I opened would have been the ones that might have got cut. Yeah. And it definitely surprised me. Do you have a do you have a top seller on the menu? Oh, uh, the classic and classic. the black burger, just because yeah. they're your more typical bacon cheeseburgers. Right. So well, do you get a lot of people off the street who... Don't look at the menu and just go, give me a double cheeseburger. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And do you just make a double classic or? You gotta, I've only had one guy ever eat a double patty cheeseburger. Yeah. Cause you have some big. I, I have, yeah, I have them ask about it <laughs> quite often and you have to let them know. Yeah. But I mean, do people, um, deviate? So do they say, can you put the egg on a fried green tomato? Sure. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, we're more than happy to make it however somebody wants. You can create your own burger. It's obviously not an option. Right. <laughs> yeah. But we'll be more than happy to accommodate. But the way the menu is written, it's sort of... Yeah. If you don't like one of the ingredients on one of the burgers, you might want to just move on. That's kind of how we try to guide people Well, see, it. and I, you know, I think that there's a real difference between a place that just slings food and a place that has some kind of philosophy behind it, mm-hmm. you know. It's... um. It's, you know, menus aren't something that you just, uh, okay, I'll do this. You put time and effort and thought mm-hmm. into it. You know, you have to plan your, it seems like you have to plan your operation around it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in, encourage people to start with the menu only because, like anything else, when I hire an expert, I let him do what he's good at. When I go into Whackburger, I'm not looking to, you know, let's, let's mix and match things. It's not right. a Chinese restaurant, right? Right. This is the menu. You designed it. It's part of your vision. You know what you're doing. Have a little trust and order something off mm-hmm. the menu. If you don't like it, then fine, but try it the way it comes. Surely yeah. there's something out of our 14 burgers that is for <laughs> At least one. Yes. Well, and, and um, also for the listeners, uh, these things are massive. They are giant burgers, yeah. and they are 
well, they're awesome, as we've mentioned. Is this is this the question you wanted to ask about what's what's special about the Wackberry? Well, I was going to ask, because yeah, you talked about fresh ingredients. So do you grind the beef? Do you have special stuff that you do to it? We actually get our mixture from uh, Herringer Meats right around the corner. Oh, literally around the Literally there. around the corner. We pick it up there every day. Nice. Uh, they patty it for us. Nice. So we just hop over there every day, get a couple cases of beef. Uh, we buy our turkey there also, and the black beans are made in-house. Oh, yeah. Nice. Do you have any secret, uh, you don't have to tell us, but do you have any secret kind of spices that you add to any of that stuff? Add oh, yeah, burgers? absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Our seasoning on the burgers is a special combination. And then the black bean, of course, is, uh, my best friend from Chicago is a vegan. So he actually mastered that recipe oh, okay. over f- years. So it's very. So good. between the black bean burger and the broccoli slaw, you were able to get some kind of, uh, other people have been working on it yep. for a long time, yep. and so now you're just mm-hmm. going to put your spin on it and mm-hmm. make it work. Yep. That's that's pretty cool. One of the other things, which I think we should mention, is that we happen to, um, we all own businesses in the same little town, on the same block. Any details that you want to share about getting the business started here? Any kind of hurdles that you ran into? Anything weird going on with that? Uh, particularly in Covington, they were pretty helpful. Uh, on this block, they're trying to, to bring the area up. Uh, so there's some yeah. pretty helpful people down at City Hall. The hurdles are, I'm sure, hurdles that everybody goes through. Well, we wondered, because you aren't the first place to serve burgers on this block. Correct. Or the second. Right. Well, so did that scare you, or were you like, well, hey, yeah. there's hungry people here? Right. I mean, the setup for this is that is that you're a wild man. Mm-hmm. You're a, you're a <laughs> right. crazy person, because... Mm-hmm. If I spin my chair around, I'm looking right at a place called Covington Chili. They mm-hmm. do burgers. The Backstage Cafe right down the street does burgers. Is there another one? I no, this block. Haven't frequented. <laughs> and so these these establishments were, have been here for years, and they're pretty well dug in. But when we first saw the Whack Burger going up, you know, in, in pre-planning, we were like, oh, thank God, a burger place, uh-huh. even though there's two of them right here. So when, when you... Um, when you look at starting your own restaurant, location is clearly important. And you, being a daredevil crazy man, you said, why not a block that's already got a couple of burger shops on it? Uh, the, the theater was very appealing to us yeah. for that demographic, yeah. that age group, and those type of people. Well, yeah, because the vegans don't really have any options no. on the block. Yeah, Right. This obviously is an up-and-coming area, so we're kind of crossing our fingers for a lot of things to happen. Yeah, we are, too. So speaking of that, you know, City Hall's leaving. Yes. And presumably Mm -hmm. a big old hotel's coming in there. Mm -hmm. So do you think that's going to work? Is it going to help you? Well, yeah, absolutely. Uh, The more the merrier. Yeah. And when you guys asked about burger places, I mean, what's next to every McDonald's? Usually a Burger King. Yeah. Or Wendy's. Yeah. So the competition definitely doesn't scare us. We know our product's good. and Well, and, and from our perspective, you know, when we moved in here, typically... We said, well, what, what is there to eat around here? <laughs> within walking distance. And so, you know, we've tried the food all around. And uh, we're just not impressed, generally speaking. And then when your place came along, we were like, okay, we found it. And we're done. We're not going across the street anymore down to the backstage cafe. It just... Um, well, we're yeah, we're at an odd end of the block. Because yeah. if you go down Madison, you've mm-hmm. got Riverside, right. you know, um, Amerasia. And there's some nice things down there, the Cornerstone, all that. But we're definitely not like Mainstrasse is yet. Right. So, 
we're hoping for that. That's what we're hoping for. Yeah. To, to be in, to be one of the first ones in. Right. It's always a good thing. Like and I said, the, the Holy Grail, I opened that up for those guys down by the ballpark and they right. did, they had a similar philosophy. Nobody wanted to go in there. Yeah. When they went in there and look what's going on in the banks now, you know. Right. And so I, how much of your business, I was just wondering, is from City Hall and does that scare you that they're leaving? Um, I guess maybe we've, we've, we've had enough time to maybe build up a following for those people. It still yeah. won't be too far of a trip. That's true. For yeah. them. Hopefully they're addicted by the time they move. <laughs> it doesn't take long. Um, <laughs> but we do. We do get a lot of business from there, especially lunchtime business. Yeah. Do you get a lot of, I mean, I don't know if you if you ever get this information, but where your people, where they come from, where your customers come from. Do you get people now who are like driving over from somewhere else after oh, yeah. hours? And, yes. Yeah. Yes. And, they, and they got addicted, well, the way we did with the gateway drug. And sure. And they're like, well... Mm-hmm. You know, I went home and I'm like, what do you want for dinner? I'm like, we're just going to drive back to Covington to get a whack burger. Yep. I think that's, it's been real surprising to me is the, the amount of repeat customers we have. The yeah. people that finally make it out, they keep coming back. The, uh, the other interesting aspect of whack burger is the comic book motif. And so how did that, uh, come about? Um, it was, it just kind of all came together. Uh, I've got tons of hobbies. I'd consider myself a casual comic book fan, mm-hmm. along with tons of other hobbies. So it was just one of my interests. And when I fitted into the puzzle of putting everything together, the simplicity, uh, the, the decor inside, and just the way we uh, did the walls and stuff, and the, uh, along with the name, and it went with the menu, and it just seemed that everything we did, you know, we could tie that in somehow. Yeah. We just thought it was a real cool and you've got, you've got stacks of comic books out uh-huh. where the customers can read sure. while they're uh-huh. reading. Yeah. Not any good ones. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing stealable. Yeah. Right. Well, sure. We don't mind people getting them all greasy and right. walking out the door with them. But well, and the thing is, is that you don't make it till they order it. And so there's a kind of wait, so. But that was a lot of fun was going into the, uh, a lot of my old comics and when we did the, uh, wall. Yeah, the wall's off. Awesome. you guys have seen, I'm sure. Yeah, we'll put some pictures up, I think, to go in there. There's some 70s and 80s stuff uh-huh. in there, yeah. The next question that we have that's Wackburger related is, uh, the future. You know, you're, what do you see happening with Wackburger a year from now, five years from now, in terms of more locations or franchising or anything like that? Do you have any kind of long term? Sure, that would definitely be something we, we'd be interested in doing in the future, but, uh, you know, as, this business goes, you just got to get through the first year, year and a half, try to pay as much money back as you can. And then, uh, I think it's a very franchisable, uh, product that we have. We actually get asked that a lot as if it's a franchise. So I actually take that as a compliment and, you know, uh, but you know, there's, I think one would do extremely well in Clifton or by mm-hmm. Northern Kentucky University. Right. Something like that. So yeah, it's I mean, something we definitely have our eyes on. Well, and I think that, you know, going back to the, the burger place on a street full of burger places, it seems like you've really nailed your target audience pretty well. And so it is just a matter of saying, well, where else would a place like this do well? And universities, mm-hmm. um, you know, places like that. There's there's no shortage of locations. And wild man style. Well, we don't care if there's a burger right. place there already. You can put yours in too. If we could make it work here on Madison, yeah, we'll be pretty confident we could go make it work in Clifton or somewhere else. Absolutely. I see right it on the north side. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. 
Actually, that you know that kind of segues into uh, another question we had, and we weren't aware that you had a a background in restaurants, okay, in the restaurant business. But we're glad that you do because one of the things that we talk about is where do you get, what's the culinary scene like around here? And, and from the you know from the top to the bottom, we know that you can get fancy stuff, you can get lowbrow stuff, but mm-hmm. but we are hard pressed to find a uniquely Cincinnati culinary scene, and we wanted to know what your opinion on that was. I, I agree with you. It's pretty bland around the city. Um, there's a handful of small spots that have that Cincinnati flavor to it, but uh, I guess that's where I go with that is to say that we're, we're trying to make a difference in that, you know. Yeah. Um, it just in the, the the people that work for me are people that I've known in the business that I brought along, and they. It's just hard to find something with a Cincinnati flavor on it where the people genuinely care about what they're doing and the product that's going out. That's something you don't find very often. Right. And one of the things that we noticed is when I, I moved here from Florida, you know, the, I, is it the business career, the Cincinnati Inquirer, they come out every year with their top ten lists. Mm-hmm. And the first year I was here, I read this thing. And when the top ten, you know, burgers in Cincinnati. Five Guys is on that. Yeah, I mean, the chain restaurants five. are on it. I, I mean, the first year I was here, McDonald's was on uh-huh. the best burger in Cincinnati. Right. And so you look yeah. at that Out, and you Outback is the best steakhouse. Is the best right. steakhouse. Oh. I mean, these are I love Big Mac, but... Yeah. Right. But it doesn't... But I can get that anywhere. I can exactly. get that in Tokyo. I mean, uh-huh. so if you're doing a list of the best of Cincinnati, yeah, I feel half like. the list is not of Cincinnati. Right. And so, well, I guess that's one of the things we like about Whackburger is that you know, you're staking out some territory mm-hmm. in the, you have to come to Cincinnati to get it. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I, I think that's good. And it's, it is nice to get some support for our theory that there's nothing going on here much in the way of uniquely Cincinnati food. And even the chili is kind of been <laughs> done to death. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. You know, cause it's a, it's a one note sort of thing. It's, and, and now that it's, you know, Skyline is is left the area, and you you can get Skyline in Fort Lauderdale now. Yeah. You, so wow, it, it's nice to see something that that is trying to be uniquely unique to this area. Mm-hmm. You know, because the only other thing we've got is the Roses with their provolone pizzas. Well, and Ghetto and Ghetto, true, right, and stuff like that. Uh-huh. So, you know, I think it's it's good to go toe to toe and say we can make a better burger here than anywhere else, and also. Try the broccoli slaw because it's awesome. <laughs> so, um, uh, in that direction, what favorite place to eat in town other than Whackburger? Or, or actually, I guess the fans would want to know: Do you really eat at Whackburger? Absolutely, all the time. Okay. Oh yeah. Um, try not to. Yeah. Too often. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, we have healthier options. So yes, you do. try to walk around the menu a little bit. Yeah. Uh. Honestly, in, in Covington, there's not much that I go out of my way to eat very often. It's more of a, I like Lee's chicken. Yeah. I think they make some good fried chicken, uh, Gold Star. But I mean, as far as Covington, I uh, like Sashwan Garden, yeah. up Dixie Highway. Uh, Mary Asia's got some good food, but there's not a whole lot of local stuff around here. Yeah. Um, well, across the river then. Cincinnati. Um, I like Nada. Okay. Nada's one of my favorite places to eat downtown, yeah. If you can get in. <laughs> yeah, if you can get in. And it's fairly expensive. Yeah. But it's really good food. Okay. The best thing you ever eat? 
best thing I've ever ate, ever. Within within <laughs> recent, let's say within recent and profound memory. Um, obviously, with Nada being one of my favorite places, I'm big on Mexican food. I make a really mean enchilada. Okay, it's probably my favorite food. If you've been listening, you know that we have we have a, a penchant for Mexican food. No, and uh, <laughs> at times it has caused some discord. Oh yes, <laughs> so, <clears throat> so that is interesting. Um. Well, yeah, I just, I broke down and, well, not broke down, I just realized there's a Chewy's out by the Walmart on uh, Mall Road. Or okay. Houston. Mall Road. Yeah, somewhere in Houston. So, you haven't been there yet, Stacy hasn't been there yet, but uh, I'm curious to see what he thinks, because it's a chain, but um, it's, a, it's a unique chain, so. <laughs> and um, and then I'm going to go back a little bit, because I just saw a question on here that I forgot to ask, but in terms of your competition mm-hmm. on the street... You ever run into these guys? They ever come down and say, let me try a white burger, see what I'm up against? Sure, yeah. Uh, like I said before, you know, because of the locality, there's, I eat at the places that are around here, uh, for a change of pace from a burger every now and then. Uh, not to mention any names, but it took those guys very close to us a long time to finally come over, <laughs> but they finally broke down and came over a few months in. And, uh, I'll say this, when you have a hamburger and french fries at your restaurant, and you're going across the street to get a hamburger and french fries, there's something to say about that. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and and what's your feeling? I mean, like, I'm in the IT, well, we're both in the IT business, and we have found that there are certain professions that coexist well and compete well. Um, IT people are not them <laughs> because right. most of us have never grown up past adolescence and we do a lot of, you know, well, I hate you because you, you do what I do and you're going to steal my customers kind of thing. When it comes to restaurants, is it really a, is it a backbiting, backstabbing, fierce, uh, tooth and nail competition or do you guys, do you guys find ways to band together and, and, and help support each other or, or things like that? I think it could go both ways, but most of my experience, you, you kind of hop on each other's backs. Um, at some point, you're going to need something from them. At some point, they're going to need something from you, or you're going to need some advice, or you're going to need somebody's phone number, or you're going to need... I was going to say, I hope uh, you don't run out of breeze. Right. I don't think <laughs> you're going to have a big problem if you run out of breeze. Uh, you're just going to have to go get it. Yeah. But like I said before, it's the more the merrier. I mean, you want the traffic. Yeah. You know, you well, want the businesses right. And at a certain point, one of the things that we've been talking about is, you know, how do you, um, how do you elevate the businesses of Covington to a level where we're actually, um, you know, a force to be reckoned with? You know, so at a certain point, being on the same block and in the same business community, there's got to be a way to get more foot traffic down here, get more people to come here for, for one reason or another. And you would think you'd have to band together to come up with ideas of doing that. Yeah, I think it takes some some guts from people like us to get in there and, and make a change. And then you force the places around you. If they want to stick around, you're forcing them to change. That's a good point. And, um, I mean, the city's to, tried to help, right? Yeah, I mean, they have sure. their lunch cart Wednesdays uh-huh. or whatever they do. Yeah. So they're really, they, the city wants to see a turnaround, mm-hmm. especially Madison. Right. And we were, we had a, we had a kind of an idea that we were thinking about. Do we want to shut the mic off for that? <laughs> cut the mic. We can cut it later. But we were thinking of sponsoring a best burger competition. Um, 
For the right. city. For the city. For Covington, right. you know. Mm-hmm. And it would be every place in Covington that makes a burger is invited to throw their hat in the ring. We get some local luminaries to be the judges, uh, plus all the, hopefully, the, the huge amount of press, you know. <laughs> but, um, you know, because, like, they do a Get a Fest here, and they do a they do an October Fest here, but if we're trying to be unique, you know, mm-hmm. I could see one day where the Covington Burger competition is one of these, it's like barbecue in Texas, you know, sure. like one of those things where people would come from miles around to see who's going to win it this year kind of thing. So we were just kind of interested to know if that was something you would... Oh, we'd be in. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. For sure. Uh, it just, you know, just to find a way to get people down here in a in a month where nothing much is going on. And that around yeah. here, that's whenever month they're doing Get a Fest, not, so not that, mm-hmm. you know, and not October, November. Not October, yeah. Right. But other than that... There are a lot I of think, good burgers just here in northern Kentucky. Right. Right. You know? And I think that I think that it would be a, an interesting... Uh, an interesting way to draw attention to something that, well, making a burger, I gotta say from an amateur's perspective, is not easy. It doesn't sound easy to me. It doesn't sound like something, you know, it sounds like something you would just throw together and say, what, it's a burger. Everybody likes burgers. But, you know, that is not even close to true. And there's an art to it. There's a, you know, there's a, there's a, a perfection over time, like any other kind of craft, like any kind, you know, how to, how to make a, a decent beer. It's mm-hmm. kind of the same, thing. You know, you study the science of what goes into it, you trial and error, I gotta imagine there was a lot of that. Yep. yep. And then finally you come up with the classic. Mm-hmm. You know, and you go with it. So I think a burger competition uh is not as lowbrow as it might sound. No, no. <laughs> We're imagining a burger crawl. Which is yeah. actually way harder than a bar crawl. Yes. After the third or fourth one. Oh yeah. Whew. Yeah, there is a thing. I mean there is a food hangover. <laughs> we know this is gonna be bad. <laughs> So, yeah, no, uh, no doubt about it. Um, but I think that's one of the things that I'd like to see happen. And it could, you know, it, it's, it's, the center of it's going to be the burger guys and, and their story and their restaurant. But around the periphery is whatever goes with burgers, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, they do this farmer's market on Mainstrasse. And so, you know, I'd almost like to see a best burger competition, but then an also best side competition. Right. You know, what goes really well with a burger? Mm-hmm. And then, of course, all the beer the beer guys are going to weigh in with the right. best beer uh-huh. and with the best burger. Uh-huh. And all of a sudden, you get this multi-layered competition going on mm-hmm. where most of the businesses, I think, in town could either put up a product or even just put up some kind of sponsorship and for the, in return for advertising for what they're doing. Sure. So that was one of our, uh, one of our brainstorms <laughs> because what we're trying to do, and, and, you know, we've got an IT company. But that's not really our main thing, you know. We're trying to find ways to promote our book that we're selling and promote our podcast. And so, since we can't, we don't make anything. (laughs) We don't make anything. We produce nothing at all. We are really just rye commentary, as it turns out. So we thought that it would be our role to kind of get the thing off the ground and maybe knock on doors and see who's interested in playing along. And then uh, see if we can get the city to to give us a a space to have it in. You know, a place where... An accidental grease fire wouldn't wipe out the town. Right, right. <laughs> that sort of thing. <laughs> so, what else? Do we have more? I think that was about it. Those are all our questions. All well, right. Then, Mike, I guess, uh, thanks for coming on. I Thank can't guarantee it's the last time we're going to want you here. Okay. Um, <laughs> because uh, whack burgers do kind of fuel our podcast. And so... Uh, and if there were some sort of hamburger contest, the winner would probably have to come back. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
So anyway, thanks for coming on. Thank you guys. Uh, I'm glad thanks. that we're neighbors across the street, and uh, you'll be seeing us again at Wackburger for sure. All right. Now you know why we're there every Wednesday. <laughs> this is why we're there every Wednesday. We do this on Wednesdays, and um, we can't seem to really do it without. <laughs> Let's get a Wackburger first to get us in the get us in a good mood. <laughs> so that when we're on the air, we uh, we sound optimistic and upbeat. So thanks, uh, thanks again for stopping by. No problem, guys. Thank you. So that takes us to the end of Sajcast number 19. Our 19th ever Sajcast. Sponsored by The Unexpected. Makers of The Election of Franklin Pierce. Alien Invasion. And getting someone else's bag at the drive-thru. Even if it has 48 apple pies in it. So we'll see you next time. Unless, of course, the world is destroyed. Absolutely. Absolutely.